Well, if you weren't here last Sunday and maybe you didn't be able to get online, let me just review real briefly what I recall from last Sunday and, and seeing it all from Sydney's phone. <laughs> it, was, it was good. And uh, again, I appreciate Jake and sharing and um, I look forward to having him speak again. And so, like I said, we're working on that. But he spoke about how we need to be seeing the kingdom of God and, and he did a little play on words about that. And uh, speaking from Mark chapter 10, but uh, the question was asked, what kind of disciple is Jesus inviting us to be? And then he shared what, those what, what that kind of disciple looks like. And uh, he said we can, uh, how we can see the kingdom of God. And he used the C words uh, for each of the disciples, the child disciple, because children have a, a helplessness and dependence and God desires a, a heart of dependence. He then shared that uh, we need to be a, a communal uh, disciple. And uh, because Jesus cares more about how the rich young ruler cared about others. And, and we need to be caring for others as well, too, as in a, com a community. And how can we have peace with God but not with community? It doesn't go, to, go together. We need to have both. And uh, we need to be a communal disciple, building the kingdom now and then he uh, then shared with uh, the the last uh, point of uh, type of disciples the compassionate disciple being a compassionate about others and it helps us care for christ and so as as jesus cares for us we can care for others as well too and having compassion on those around us so he wrapped it up in letting us know that uh, we need to be uh, disciples that reach our community through service and through dependence on God, and through compassionate actions. And I trust that uh, that, that message uh, reached deep in your heart about that. We do need to be disciples. And I think it was a fitting way to kind of wrap things up of the disciple series. Um, it, we, need to, we need to realize that those around us need to see Christ in so many different ways, and uh, we should be showing it in such a way that people are drawn to Jesus. So I trust that you've had opportunities this last week, and i uh, I'm sure you'll probably have more opportunities as well, too, as, as these days come. But uh, let's make sure we're, we're being uh, disciples before uh, Jesus and, and others around us. So we move from our uh, disciple series, and I trust that it was uh, one that was informative as well as inspirational, being able to help us uh, realize what it means to be a disciple. But uh, what I'd like to talk about today, of course, is related to Thanksgiving, and wanted to give a message on, uh, on that. But have you ever met someone who just seemed impossible to please? I heard a story. A large dog walks into a butcher shop carrying a purse in its mouth. Of course, not a real story. He puts the purse down and sits in front of the meat case. What is it, boy? The, the butcher jokingly asks. Want to buy some meat? Woof, barks the dog. Hmm, okay, says the, says the butcher. What kind? Liver? Bacon? Steak? Woof. Okay. Steak. And how much steak? Half a pound? One pound? Woof, says the dog. The amazed butcher wraps up the meat, finds the money in the dog's purse. As the dog leaves, a man waiting in line is watching everything that happened. He, he decides to follow that dog. And it, it, that dog goes down the street, enters an apartment house, climbs to the third floor, and begins scratching at a door. With that, the door swings open. An angry man starts shouting at the dog, 
Stop, says the guy who's watching it all. Stop yelling at the dog. What are you doing? He's the most intelligent animal I've ever seen. And the angry man says, intelligent? This is the third time this week he's forgotten his key. So, as you think about it, there's people who have, have all this around them, this incredible stuff going around, and they're just, they're not thankful, <laughs> grateful for what is before them. You ever feel like that man who was in line following that dog, going, this is incredible, how come you're not thankful for this? You see something amazing and is met with a less than enthusiastic and unthankful response. This Thursday is Thanksgiving, and, uh, and again, today I want to talk a little bit more about gratefulness, thank, thankfulness, and what that means. We need to turn to Psalm 100, Psalm 100, if you haven't yet. I told Stephanie Psalm 101, and I was wrong, and if you, you'll probably glance at that now, uh, and you'll see, yes, that would have been a different message. <laughs> If we were looking at Psalm 101. But Psalm 100 is what we're looking at. And let me read that to you as you follow along. A psalm for giving thanks. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. It's interesting, this psalm is kind of uh, uh, endearing to us because our, our boys had to learn to memorize this. And I remember Becky and I, when they were, when they were little, uh, Becky and I had to help them memorize this, and so we kept on at them doing, you know, this is the verse, say it, say it, Anthony James, and I think Zachary went through this too as well, but uh, fascinating how sometimes this kind of brings me back to memories like that. But in this psalm, uh, let me share with you three things about thankfulness, three things about thankfulness. There's an invitation, there's uh, the motivation, and then there's also the celebration, so let's look at the, the invitation first of Thanksgiving. It's found in verse 4. Look with me. Thanksgiving is, is a, basically a time that is, is set aside to remember to give thanks to God for all we have. And we set that time aside, but I, I hope that it's just not that one day in the year that you are thankful and you're reminded of, of, of all, all the things that you should be grateful for. You do that daily, I, I trust. From the beginning, the focus was giving thanks to God on Thanksgiving Day. It was an invitation to the nation to give thanks. And we see this invitation in the psalm we read today in verse 4 there. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. In this verse, the invitation to thankfulness is given to all. God invites us into his presence. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. He's inviting us to come and to respond to his love, and respond to his grace. God wants to spend time with us. If we haven't spent time with him lately, if we haven't had our devotional time lately, if we haven't had a prayer time lately with him, if we haven't read our Bible lately, uh, then we're neglecting that time and he misses that time with us. And we need to spend that time with him, being able to come together 
but we see God's blessings all the time, but we, we, we often fail to take the time to say thank you for them. Max Lucado tells about living as an American in Brazil. And one day, as he was walking along the street on his way to the university to teach a class, he felt a tug on his pant leg. Turning around, he saw a little boy about five or six years old with dark, beady eyes and a, and a dirty little face. The little boy looked up at the big American and said, Bread, sir? And he was a, a little beggar boy, and, and Lucado said this. He said, there are always little beggar boys in the streets of Brazil, as he's describing this story. He says, usually I turn away from them because there are so many and you can't feed them all. But there was something so compelling about this little boy that I couldn't turn away. So taking his hand, I said, come with me. And I took him into a coffee shop. And Max told the owner, I'll have a cup of coffee and give the boy a piece of pastry, whatever he wants. And since the coffee counter was at the other end of the store, Max walked on and got a cup of coffee, forgetting about the little boy because beggar boys usually get the bread and then run back out into the street and disappear. But this one didn't. After he got his pastry, he went over to the big American and just stood there until Lakato felt his staring eyes. Lakato said, I turned and looked at him. Standing up, his eyes just about hit my belt buckle. <laughs> Then slowly his eyes came up until they met mine. The little boy holding his pastry in one hand looked up and said, Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. And Lucado said, I was so touched by the boy's thanks that I would have bought him the whole store. <laughs> I sat there for another 30 minutes, late for my class, just thinking about a little beggar boy who came back and said, Thank you. What about you? What about you? Uh, how do you respond to the love and mercy of Jesus? Are you thankful? Do you voice your thankfulness to God often about that? Do you just take it for granted and forget it? I think we need to make sure we accept God's invitation to draw near and give thanks. Do you hear God's invitation to give thanks? Then there's the motivation of thanksgiving. Motivation of thanksgiving. What motivated the psalmist to enter in and, and give thanks and praise? It was God's character. It was his conduct. It was his love and faithfulness through the years that caused the psalmist to write this and be motivated to enter in. in verse 5, For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. What is it that motivates you or, or, or even me as well too to give thanks today? What motivates you to give thanks? What does thanksgiving mean to you? The very first recorded thanksgiving in North America was celebrated back in 1621 when the Plymouth colonists and Native Americans shared an, an, an autumn harvest feast. Maybe you've heard that story, but most of us don't understand the background of that story. Maybe you've heard it. If you haven't, it's very fascinating. Let me share it with you. It was in 1605 that a Native American named Squanto from the village of Patoxet, Massachusetts, met his first white man. He later traveled to England with an explorer named John Weymouth, 
And in England, he experienced many adventures and was able to learn some English. He returned to America in 1608, three years later. And on his return to America, he was kidnapped by an Englishman named Thomas, Hurt, uh, Thomas Hunt, who was one of John Smith's lieutenants. Squanto was taken from Massachusetts, along with other Native Americans, by an English ship captain and sold into slavery in Spain. There, Squanto was bought by a Spanish monk who treated him well, freed him from slavery, and taught him the Christian faith. Squanto eventually made his way to England where he improved his English and worked in the stables of a man named John Slaney. Slaney sympathized with Squanto's desire to return home, and he eventually was able to send him back to America. And it wasn't until 1618, 10 years after Squanto was first kidnapped, that he was on a ship returning to America as a free man. When he arrived home, he learned of the second blow delivered by the English. His tribe had died from an epidemic, probably of smallpox, brought by the earlier colonists. He and another Native American, Somerset, uh, went to live with a neighboring tribe near Plymouth. It was there that he was introduced to the new pilgrim settlers. And there, Squanto became a picture of forgiveness. He had been captured by the English and had been sold into slavery. His, his entire tribe had been wiped out by the English. And instead of being bitter, he chose to help the remaining 47 of uh, the 102 pilgrims who had barely survived their first harsh winter. He helped them build warm houses. He taught them uh, when to plant their corn crop and how it uh, should be planted. Without his help, there would not have been 20 acres of corn produced that year. Squanto also advised the pilgrims in their relations with the, uh, the other Native Americans. He helped them make friends, acted as an interpreter, and guided them on trading expeditions and gave advice on bargaining. The pilgrims have, uh, wouldn't have made it through the, the year without the wisdom and guidance of Squanto. And Governor William Bradford, in, in Bradford's History of the English Settlement, wrote regarding Squanto's death. He, he wrote, Squanto fell ill of Indian fever, bleeding much at the nose, which the Native American take as a symptom of death, and within a, day, in a few days he died. He begged the governor to pray for him that he might go to the Englishman's God in heaven and bequeath several of his things to his English friends as remembrances. His death was a great loss. So there would not have been uh, this first Thanksgiving without Squanto, who made a choice to forgive out of the forgiveness that he had received in Christ. That Thanksgiving flowed out of the thankfulness of one man's heart. And through trials and difficult situations, he had been prepared to be a blessing. Do you understand what it is uh, to do that? What that, that is like? Those are some big steps. To be able to forgive whatever wrong that had happened in your past, to be able to come back and help those very same people. What do you have to be thankful for today? How has God's great love and faithfulness been seen in your own life in the past year? What can you be thankful for? Today, after the morning service, like I mentioned, 
it's our congregational meeting where the members vote on on the leadership and, and of course the the budget as well and and uh and i'll share some thoughts about the church as well as i was going back and trying to figure out what i'd be sharing i was uh, i was gathering those thoughts and and i was reminded that uh, even though we've gone through some very difficult situations as a church family this last year, God has been so good to us and our congregation through this year. We have so much to be thankful for. I mean, you just even think about last Sunday. Even though you did not have power here, you still were able to worship God, being thankful that we can still worship God no matter what. (laughs) It's in those situations where we go back and we are reminded that we have much to be thankful for. And so as I was gathering my thoughts, I was thinking the same thing. I could, I could dwell on the things that have been negative in this last year for our church, but I choose to dwell on those things that are a blessing, those things that we can be thankful for. We have so many reasons to give thanks. Are you motivated to give thanks? And then a third thing we can see here in this Psalm, Psalm 100, is a celebration of thanksgiving. If you look at the first three verses, celebration of thanksgiving. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. So how, how do, we, do we respond to God's love and faithfulness? Notice there are three verbs that are are mentioned here in these three verses. There's shout, know, and, uh, oh boy, oh, and worship. (laughs) Worship was the second one. Shout, worship, and know those things before us here. So the first one is shout. Shout for joy. Shout for joy to the Lord. We come thoughtfully declaring aloud God's goodness. Each Sunday we come together, we shout for joy. We sing praises. We don't keep it in, we voice it. Last week you voiced it quite loud because you had to. <laughs> there was no sound system. But you voiced it. We should be voicing it, shouting it. There are so many different reasons to give thanks in this. Listen to the words that were written in 1621 by Edward Winslow, one of the 50 uh, or so members of the Plymouth Colony that survived that first winter. He wrote these words describing the first harvest festival. He says, Our harvest of corn came in well, and God be praised. We had a good increase of Indian corn, and our barley crop was also good. But our crop of peas wasn't worth the gathering. They were sown too late, and although they came up, very well and blossomed the sun parched them in the blossom once our harvest was brought in our governor sent four men out to hunt fowl in order that we might have a special celebration rejoicing together over the fruit of our labors those four hunters in one day killed enough fowl to feed our our company for almost a week we were joined in our celebration by many indians the great indian king massasoit along with some 90 Indian men, joined us for three days of entertainment and feasting. The Indians themselves went out and killed five deer, which they brought to the to plantation and gave, us, gave as gifts to our governor and to our captain and others. And although our harvests are not always so plentiful, as it was at this time with us, 
Yet by the goodness of God, we are so far from want that we often wish that we could be partakers of our plenty, that you could be partakers of our plenty. And if you look at that expression that he says that, that he writes at the very end there, he says, by the goodness of God, we are so far from want. We have the goodness of God with us. <laughs> we should realize that we are so far from want in our lives as well. The profound words. Is that your testimony today? It sure is mine. <laughs> the last 10 days of, uh, well, the 10 days of quarantine for me helped me to get focused on the fact that I am so blessed. And it seems like when things are removed from us, we realize how blessed we were when we had them. But for me, it was able to, it, that time allowed me to kind of just be reminded of the goodness of God in my life and the people I'm so thankful for that have been placed in my life. Becky and being there and, 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 and all the years that we've had in our marriage and, and knowing her and partnering through this life and trying to do ministry and life together and parenting and all that. Thankful for our family and our kids and our, our, our married kids that have you know, families and all that are going on there too. And it's just so thankful for where God has us and, and those people in, our, in, our, in my life, friends of mine, and, uh, and of course, church family, definitely church family, being so supportive all through the years I've been here, and, and, uh, and from annual conference, looks like we've got another year to go here as well, too, uh, to be together, and, and to enjoy what God has for us, even through the difficult situations that we've gone through through COVID and everything else that, has, has, that we've gone through in this last year. But I was just, again, reminded so many times during the time I had at home uh, that God is so good. But how do you respond to God's faithfulness? Uh, you probably sit down and you think about all the ways God has blessed you. And it's good to take inventory like that every now and then, to be prompted and like I said, I hope it's not just Thanksgiving Day that you're prompted to do that. I, I trust that you're prompted each day to take inventory of how blessed you are. But then you put into words what God has done in your heart, and then you shout it out. You let God know. Thank you. Thank you. Or you let someone else know how blessed you are. What I'd like to do, actually, is to see how thankful we are, what we're thankful for here today. Let's try that. I invite, I invite you one at a time, one at a time, to say one thing you are thankful for. And you'll have to, you have to shout it. You have to shout it. Because, you know, make it kind of loud. Because we have people online that probably want to hear as well, too. And, of course, you got your mask on, so <laughs> we want to be able to understand you as well. What are you thankful for? I'll give you one. God's mercy and grace, yes. My mom. Very good, Maddox. Uh, this, building. this building, yes. And? God's promises. God's promises, yes. Very good. Church family. Church family. Amen. Yes. The Holy Spirit. Mm, amen. Yes. My job. <laughs> yes. Your employment. <laughs> Wherever, yeah, I'm sure a lot of us can be thankful for that. 
Yes. Wife and family. Yep. Yes, the written word, definitely, definitely. I'm sure there's so many things you're thankful. Those who are online, uh, fill the chat up with, with what you're thankful for as well, too. And uh, uh, we'll go back and take a look at those. But uh, you can enter in on this as well, too. You're not, you're not excluded from this. But type in on the chat what you're thankful for as well, and uh, we'll take notice of that. Being thankful, we, we need to voice it. We need to share it. We need to let people know. Because as you heard people just declare right now, you're reminded of going, that's right. I'm thankful for that too. Well, that's right. <laughs> and so we all together can encourage one another to be more thankful. The second verb we see here in these verses is the verb worship. Worship. We come passionately expressing our hearts in response to God's goodness. And when we think of all that God has done for us, the natural response is worship. In Romans 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And the key word in Romans 12, verse 1 is offer. Offer. Worship is all about offering ourselves to God. Why do we worship? It says here that we offer ourselves to God in view of God's mercy. In view of God's mercy. Worship is our response to God's love. When God made that first move. It is up to us to respond. What does it mean when it says that offering ourselves is a spiritual act of worship? The word in, in the NIV for spiritual is logikos, which means reasonable and is where the word logical comes from. In other words, worship makes sense. It is the logical response to God's love. We worship because that is what grateful, awestruck people do. We worship. Then that third verb in, that, in, in those verses is no, K-N-O-W, no. That means that we experience God's goodness in our lives in a personal way. And the word for no is the Hebrew word yada. And it means more than just an intellectual understanding to know in that way. It is the same word that is used in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, to say that Adam knew Eve, his wife. It means a first-hand encounter. So do you truly know that the Lord is God? That God has made you and that you are his. Are you ready to celebrate in giving thanks? Do you know those things? Thankfulness should be the, the theme that runs through our lives. And when thankfulness becomes our theme, we'll find that there are at least five blessings that result from this thankfulness. The first blessing is that thankfulness forces us to focus on what we have what we, what we have had rather than what we want. It helps us, helps us focus on what we have had rather than what we want. In our, in our materialistic culture these days, it's difficult to get away from that. And sometimes we can give into that and it can seep into our, 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 our relationship with, with Jesus in such a way where it kind of reduces our prayers to maybe just a shopping list. And we come before God and we have our list of things that we want God to fix or take care of or do. 
And, you know, we're supposed to bring our prayers that way, but if that's just all we do, then we're kind of missing out. We're becoming more consumer than anything else. Uh, you know, Lord, help me on this test. Um, Lord, help me have a nice day. Let it be good weather. Um, help me get good sleep. Uh, help the package to arrive today from Amazon <laughs> while I'm here. Uh, help the power to stay on here at the church. <laughs> Um, or help me stay healthy <laughs> during these, all these things. We can have our laundry list, our little list of items here that we can give to God, be good and be on our way and, and see what God's going to do. But see, thankfulness looks outward, not inward. It realigns our lives so that they revolve around God instead of trying to make God revolve around us. So thankfulness forces us to focus on what we have had rather than what we want. A second blessing is that thankfulness highlights grace. Thankfulness highlights grace. To give thanks is to admit that you are dependent. To say, I couldn't have done this on my own, but you helped me. And remember what Jake mentioned last Sunday about the kind of disciple God desires in us. And one of those was to be a child disciple it's because children have a helplessness and dependence, and God desires a heart of dependence, as Jake so wonderfully presented last Sunday. Thanksgiving removes the temptation to boast and strengthens the only basis on which we can relate to God, and that's accepting our own worthiness and God's unworthiness and God's free grace in Jesus Christ. We are unworthy. And we need to receive God's free grace in his son, Jesus. So thankfulness highlights grace. A third blessing is that thankfulness encourages a positive attitude. It forces us to think about what is right with our lives rather than what is wrong. Have you, have you fallen prey to that? <laughs> when the day starts out just horribly, you get out of bed and you pull your back or you stub your toe and you think, great, got to be a day like this, I guess. You go to the coffee maker and a thing hasn't been even set. Or the power went out and the coffee maker is going to work for you. You go to your car and the battery's dead. Ugh, it's one thing after another. Thankfulness, though, encourages a positive attitude. And we focus on what is right with our lives rather than what is wrong. And this is important, especially in a time when many feel depressed these days. Uh, in the last year, <laughs> plenty of opportunity to become depressed. All the things that have been taken away, all the things that have been restricted, the things that we've gone through. Thanking God is a proven way of lifting those gloomy clouds in our lives. If we can at least be thankful for one thing. And so when that temptation comes... You stub your toe or whatever it is that causes you to think, oh, this is going to be a horrible day. That should be a red flag to go, what am I thankful for? What blessing do I have? Oh, thank the Lord that I didn't stub all five toes on the same foot <laughs> at once. I don't know. It's something you can think about. There's always something we can be thankful for. Thankfulness encourages a positive attitude. A fourth blessing is that thankfulness develops hope for the future. Thankfulness develops hope for the future. Looking backwards to the past with thanksgiving you, actually helps us to look toward the future with anticipation. 
And as we, we are grateful for what God has done for us in the past, we can be encouraged and filled with hope for what God has for us in the future. He's done it here. He's the same God. He's going to do it here. We can trust him, and we can anticipate how he's going to do it. We, we don't know how he's going to do some of these things. We know he will, and we need to rest in that. And so as we look back in the past and, and, and being thankful, it develops our hope for the future. And then a, a fifth and final blessing is that to practice thankfulness regularly ensures that gratitude will spill over into every area of our lives. So when we're thankful, it just it spills over into all other parts of, of our lives as well, too. We cannot thank God for too long regarding difficult colleagues, relatives, or neighbors before finding that we express a positive attitude toward them. Just think about that person in your life that just grits against you. And if you can be thankful for something, something in that person's life with you, it will turn your attitude around and you'll, you'll, you'll start changing. Grumpiness and irritability don't grow well in, cl in the climate of gratitude. <laughs> and those who regularly give thanks to God find they are ready to give to others. See, gratitude and generosity go hand in hand. So there are a lot of things that we as a church can be thankful for as we look at where the Lord has led us in the past year. And I'm so thankful for the... Uh, for the opportunities and ministry we have had in the past. It hasn't been a whole bunch, but we've had those opportunities. We've had the opportunity of being online, being able to reach a community that may not typically be here. It also allows us to reach those who can't be here for one reason or another and to include them and still be a church together, separate a little bit, but still together. We can look at that and see those opportunities and thank the Lord for that. The bouquet delivery across the road here to the, the community there, just to be a blessing to them. Opportunity of outreach there and, and just engaging our community. We've had opportunities. And on this Thanksgiving, I would like us to focus on where we are going. And, and, and have, the, have you have that same kind of attitude as well. Where is God leading you. You know where you've been. <laughs> you know what you've gone through. But can you look ahead and be thankful for maybe what God is going to be doing in the situations ahead? But for our church to engage our community, no matter the size of congregation we have, we can do this, engaging our community. To be a healthy church. And healthy, again, doesn't mean numbers, doesn't mean quantity necessarily. I truly believe it's quality. <laughs> and so it doesn't matter if we have uh, 100, 50, 25, five people. It's that group that's growing in Christ and deepening the relationship in Christ and wanting to be used by him. Those things, to be ready to be used by God in whatever way possible. We have so many opportunities ahead for us we, we don't even know. We, we, aren't, we aren't aware. But God knows, and we just need to follow in his steps and be ready to go forward. In the coming year, is there a ministry that God has laid upon your heart? Is God speaking to you in such a way and going, well, you know, I think I can do these things, and God has equipped me to, and he's gifted me in these areas. Maybe God wants me to do this, whatever it might be. 
Is there an area that God is asking you to get involved with? Maybe like Squanto, God has been preparing you to become, to help a certain group of people, maybe. To, out of the overflow of what you have received in Christ, maybe you are beginning to understand that you have been blessed so that you can be a blessing to other people. Whatever God has done in your life, let it overflow and use it in service to others around you. I want to motivate you today in action, kind of like the story I heard of a middle-aged couple who lived in Michigan. They had a son that lived in New York and a daughter that lived in California. And the wife said one day that uh, she really wished her kids could be home for Thanksgiving. Now, the dad picked up the phone that day, and right, the day before Thanksgiving, called his son in New York and said to him, I hate to ruin your day, but I have to tell you that your mother and I are getting a divorce. After 45 years of misery, enough is enough. You can call your sister and tell her. And he hung up. And frantic, the son called his sister in California. He exploded on the phone. There is no way they are getting divorced, she said, the daughter said. I'll take care of this. She called her dad back and said to her father, you are not getting divorced. Don't do anything until I get there. I'm calling my brother back, and we're both flying home tonight. We'll both be there tomorrow. Until then, don't do a thing. Do you hear me? Okay, and they hung up. Man hung up his phone and turned to his wife. Okay, honey, kids are coming for Thanksgiving, and they're paying for their own flights. I want to encourage you and I want to motivate you and help you be inspired in a way, in such a way that you are wanting to be thankful and grateful. I want you to realize that we have so much to be thankful for in such a way that you will be so urgent <laughs> to let others know about it. Annie, come on up and share the last couple songs here. Yeah, and the rest of the team, yeah, team too, as well. <laughs> oh, <laughs> come on, Ron. But I hope you take time to experience God's goodness in a fresh way this coming week. Make sure you take time this Thursday, at least this Thursday, to celebrate. Spend time with family, eat some good food, maybe mostly good food. But most importantly, take the time to say thank you to God for his many blessings. The least you can do is to take the time and open your heart and express your, your gratitude. Let's be ready to be grateful and thankful, not just on this Thursday coming up, for all the days ahead. As we, we need to look and see, we are so blessed. I trust that you'll realize those blessings in your life from God and be able to voice that as well.